This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I had the honor of talking to Heather Wager. Heather has a really inspiring story. She's currently the chief marketing officer for Whistle, which is the world leader in pet health and safety solutions. They've got a GPS tracker for dogs that is just going to blow your mind. Uh, prior to being at Whistle, Heather had a really fascinating career working at really big brands, uh, working at Baby Center and then moving on to Live Strong, actually just at the time when Lance Armstrong was was stepping down. You'll hear a lot of lessons from Heather, and particularly you'll hear how one life-changing event after college uh, really shaped her entire career in the direction of her life. And I know you're going to love this interview because I sure did. Here's Heather. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to have you here because I read a lot about you and your career, and I think it's really fascinating. So I'd love if you tell our listeners uh, just a little bit of the story of how you got to where you are today. Where did you get your start? And kind of tell us the story of your career as as you like to tell it. Great. Um, well, it's been really just an incredible 16 years or so, you know, and I've had the opportunity to work for some really incredible brands. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Whenever I talk to people about my career, the reality is I didn't necessarily set out to end up where I am. I took a lot of incredible opportunities that were really big risks and they really paid off in the end. And so, you know, I started my career back in the end of the nineties, working for one of the original digital music companies. And it was a really incredible time in that space because frankly, there was huge disruption happening in music. You know, mp3.com was, was the original company that was creating the ability to take your music anywhere. So it was, you know, before Pandora, before I, before all of this. And so um, it was a really exciting time to be part of this really disruptive um, experience. And when I think about my career, that's really the thread that goes through all of the different organizations that I've been a part of, is that really all the companies that I joined were really creating innovative solutions for existing problems. So, you know, in the digital music space, it was really about how do you how do you take this massive collection of music with you anywhere? Um, and then at Baby Center, it was how do you take Take the experience of an offline moms group and bring it online to really make sure that moms can get all the information that they need to have healthy, happy babies. Um, at Livestrong, it was really about how do you live your best life possible when you're facing a cancer diagnosis? Um, and how do you use technology to really kind of innovate on that cancer diagnosis and get all the information that you need? And then at Whistle, we are really creating innovative solutions around a problem that's existed for a long time, which is the fact that, you know, 10 million animals go missing every year. You know, one in three pets will go missing sometime in their lifetime. And, you know, 
the reality is people have been putting up, you know, lost dog posters for a long time. And that's not a very good way to find a lost dog. And so we're really creating innovative solutions to allow people to find their pets if they ever go missing. So again, when I think back through my career, it's all about, um, you know, joining organizations that were doing really exciting, innovative things. I hear that in a lot of the, a lot of the, um, choices you've made. It's really fascinating. I actually loved how you connected all of those positions together in ways that they were able to better help people, right? Like whether it was how to get your digital, your music library digitally, or whether it was how to connect with other moms online, or whether it was really with Livestrong, how to, how to better connect a community that way. And then now with Whistle, that, that sort of incredible innovation behind that is awesome. And so tell me a little bit about when you started, did you know like coming out of school, what you wanted to do? Were you always, you've had this incredible career. Were you always very career focused? Did you have a destination in mind when you started out? That's a really interesting question. Um, after I graduated from college, I didn't actually take the typical path that somebody would take. Um, I had a personal experience that really changed the whole trajectory of the rest of my life. Um, and that is really literally within months of graduating from college, my mom was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. And she was a small business owner. And um, she was, you know, again, this was this was the you know mid '90s, and she was a small business owner, and she did a lot of kind of what was then called desktop publishing. And I ended up moving in with her to help her run her business initially. And her disease progressed really rapidly, and so I ended up being her caregiver as well as running her business. And I lived with her for three years after graduating from college. And um, again, it was a mixture of helping her run her business. And then it was a mixture of also, you know, taking care of her. And so after she passed away um, at the end of the 90s, I really took a hard look at my life and said, what do I want my life to be about? You know, she was 51 when she passed away. So she was very, very young, right in the middle of her own career. And it really was life altering for me, that experience. And it made me realize that whatever I did from a career perspective had to follow my passions. Um, I didn't want to just go um, into any type of organization. I really wanted to find organizations that were doing things that I personally cared about. And that's really, again, been another thread throughout my career is that I've really followed my passions. So first of all, I'm so sorry about your mom. Uh, I'm sure that that was quite a game-changing and life-changing experience for you. And I, I loved how eloquently you were able to describe how you put it into the change in your career, that it that it had you focus on passion. I think that's like such an eye-opening moment uh, for people to hear. Do you participate now in things with ALS, related to ALS? Do you do any kind of fundraisers or things like that? I do. They have... Um, different um, ride to defeat ALS bike rides. So I'm a big right. cyclist. And so I enjoy doing that. I also um, fundraise for an organization called the Blazeman Foundation. And um, it was an organization started by John. John Blaze was a triathlete um, and he passed away from ALS in his 30s. So really young. And his parents started a foundation to really help raise money to find a cure. And so I'm part of that organization. So there are many organizations around ALS that I'm now a part of, which has been really, really fantastic. That's incredible. And I do already know about you that you have completed and participated in Ironman World Championships, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I um, I definitely fell in love with triathlon um, many years ago and, and have had the honor of completing three Ironmans, one of them in Kona, which has been really just so, so much fun. 
And so the lessons from your career, you mentioned passion, you mentioned innovation. I also know that with Livestrong, you came in at a very interesting time. You came in at November 2012, right? That was a key time for them. Is that right? It was. You know, I had just moved my family from the San Francisco Bay Area to Austin and it was a, a really interesting time for the foundation. I'll never really, I'll never forget my first day. I came into the office. I sat down at my new desk. Again, this is a new city for me, a new organization for me, and um, opened up my email. And one of the first emails I read was one from Lance, where he was stepping down from the board and from the organization. And so that was my very first five minutes of my very first day in this new organization and a new town. And um, so my time at Livestrong was very different from what I thought it would be, but really just incredibly interesting. So you came in as a vice president of marketing, right? Were you the vice president of marketing then when you came in? Yes, that's, that's what I came in as. Wow. So you get this real kind of surprise and then it, it just shifted everything. How, how were you able to um, quickly sort of change your, I would imagine it changed everything about the positioning and, and how you were going to position Livestrong, what you were going to do from a marketing perspective. Did it take you a minute? Did it take you a long time? Like how long did it take you to kind of grasp around what to do next with something like that? Oh my goodness. I, it was definitely a really big challenge because what I came in to do was largely just continue to evolve the brand. So the brand had huge partnerships with Nike and Oakley and all of these incredible brands. And my part of my job was to expand those relationships and bring on new relationships. We were, you know, planning new partnerships with Ironman and, and other um, really incredible organizations. And in that moment, everything changed. And those partnerships didn't immediately change. But within the first year, most of those partnerships had um, gone away or were in the, the final stages. And so what I thought I came in to do, which is just evolve the brand and continue to grow the brand really changed into, you know, how do we reignite this brand after this huge, huge thing has happened? And so it was, it was really interesting. And we went to work to really find out about what perceptions were of the organization, because we wanted to find out what were the barriers to people supporting the organization. And we found out some really, really interesting things. And we, you know, one of the things we found out is that people really just didn't understand what the organization did. Right, you know, the right. organization had been around for 15 years and huge success. The yellow wristband had raised, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to help people affected by cancer. But yet at the end of the day, people really didn't know what the organization did because while Lance was, fantastic for the organization and brought a lot of exposure to the organization, you know, people focused more on him than on what the core mission of the organization was. And so what we realized pretty quickly was that we actually had to do some interesting, innovative things to help reignite people around what we actually did, which is help survivors with what they're going through today. So while I came on to help grow brand partnerships and do things like that. What we ended up doing were some really incredible, interesting projects to really reconnect people with the real mission of the organization. It's so interesting. I, I can totally see how that would be a case, right? If you're, if you have a, it's the upside and the downside of a, having a celebrity sort of endorser or a person who's so passionate about the organization or founder is that it gets so associated with them. And I think about uh, some of my interactions with Livestrong, even just reading their content socially, it's so phenomenal, you know? And so that, so that must've been such a fascinating time for you and a really great learning for some of our listeners in terms of 
what to do when sort of everything changes, right? I like how you got back to basics and learned what the perceptions were so that you could attack it head on. That's pretty incredible. Right. And, you know, the, the one of the challenges for the organization was that people had a hard time detaching Lance and what he did in his personal life with what the organization had been doing for 15 years. And so we actually went to work to try to do some things to separate the organization from Lance. And, you know, an interesting little story is that right after all of this happened, we created a little, just a little graphic. And it said, you know, Liz Strong was never about one person. It's always been about the 28 million people dealing with the toughest battle of their lives. And it was just a little image and we we posted it a few days after this happened and it was the most shared thing we had ever done on social. And Lestrong has millions of followers on Facebook and on Twitter. And so it was incredible because we really wanted to get the focus off of Lance and what he had done in his personal life and back onto the mission of the organization, which is what we really cared about continuing to drive forward. So tell me a little bit about Whistle, because to me, when I was looking at, at Whistle, and I definitely want you to tell our listeners um, a little bit about the products that you have and what you offer, this is just like a game-changing thing for pet owners. I mean, it, it's really, when you think about it, you talked about it a little bit in the beginning. Um, talk to me a little bit about the company. Tell us a little bit of background about it, and then we'll get into sort of social behind it. Great. Um, And again, as I connect the dots with my career, some people look at, you know, Livestrong and they think, how do you get from Livestrong to Whistle? That doesn't quite make sense. And again, it all goes back to this string for me of personal passion. And I'm a huge dog person. Uh, We have three dogs, Roxy, Gunner, and Dexter. And, um, you know, I really was interested in what Whistle was doing. And so back to the history of Whistle, the, you know, the company started with an activity monitoring product, which yeah, was yeah. really interesting. And it allowed people to see how active their pet was, how much rest they were getting, because ultimately those things are what predict the health of a pet. And so it was a really interesting product. And again, it's still available called the Whistle Activity Monitor. And of course, you know, we have an app platform that sits on all this great data. And so we're able to tell people how much activity they're dog should be getting based on the age and the breed and all of these different factors. And it really helps people be more active with their pet. And frankly, if you're more active with your pet, you're more active. And so that's a really great side benefit as well. Um, But soon after the product was launched, the team realized that one of the big things that people really, really wanted was the ability to track their pet and locate their pet if anything ever happened and their pet ever went missing. And so, you know, the team set out to then build in that GPS tracking functionality, which now is available. We just launched. We're really excited. So we're really, really excited to bring both the activity monitoring and the GPS and location tracking piece to market. This is one of those things, like when I hear it, it's the simplest concept and the most necessary thing out there, right? Because everyone loses their pets. Everyone I know has lost a pet at some point. Even my little cat Chiquita went away for a whole week and I was really sad and she came back and was absolutely fine, but it was, you know, very, very stressful time. And so this is something that is so simple and sounds like once you know about it, why would you ever not do it? How do we get people to know about Whistle? And specifically, I would love to know in the digital space, some of the things that you're doing to get the word out. So really interesting question. So, you know, absolutely. Again, back to kind of what you initially said, it definitely is a problem. I mean, one in three pets will go missing at some point in their lifetime. And one of the challenges, I mean, the reality is this is a new category. We're creating a category here. And so 
we not only have to get people to become aware of Whistle and the products that we offer, but we actually have to get people to become aware of the problem. And the problem is the fact that one in three pets will go missing sometime in their lifetime. And that's a really scary statistic. Um, and the reality of it also is that you don't realize that that's a problem until it happens to you typically. So right. just a little personal story. Um, I came home one day and we have a very nice fenced in backyard and both of our dogs, this was before we got the third, but our two dogs were gone. They had gotten out. They had let themselves out of the back gate and and we then spent the next probably three hours looking for them. And we did it with a combination of flyers, right? The old school picture, lost dogs, yes. my phone number. Um, we actually found them using social, which is interesting. We ended up having, we have a community Facebook group. And we, I posted to that group with a picture of the dogs and my phone number. And I started getting texts from people saying, hey, I saw your dogs three hours ago over by the school. And then it was, we saw them five minutes ago over by the pond. And so we sort of ultimately ended up triangulating their location using this wonderful community of people that were that had seen the post on Facebook and started sending us the location of the dogs. And, um, and so it was great. And we ultimately found them and they were safe and we were lucky. But what Whistle is trying to do is to really help pet owners be more proactive. So again, what the Whistle app does is it allows you to know as soon as your pet leaves its custom safe zone. So, you know, when you set up the device, you tell it what the custom safe zone is, which typically is probably your backyard. And if the pet ever gets out, you get a notification saying, hey, Dexter's left his whistle zone. And then you're able to pull up his location on a map and track him and see where he is so that you can go find him. And so we really, really want to solve the problem um, of pet loss overall. But we also want users to have a much just easier experience with it. If your pet ever does get out, it's so much better if it's a five minute experience rather than a five hour experience. Right. Because every minute that your pet is lost feels like a million minutes, right? I mean, it's like the worst thing. It's if you're, if your pet, your child, any of these things, you know, if there's any crisis like that, every minute feels like it lasts forever. Absolutely. And so we definitely want to get the word out so that people understand that, if you own a pet, chances are that pet will go missing. And this is a really proactive solution that we're so excited to be able to offer people. Um, again, it's, and it's, you know, one of the things we hear from people is, well, my pet's already microchipped. But the reality is microchips are great and they're important, but they're really reactive. It requires somebody to find the pet, to bring the pet someplace, either a veterinarian's office or a shelter. Um, it requires that you've updated the registry with your most updated information. It requires all of these things to happen before you hopefully would get reunited with your pet. Whereas with the whistle solution, you can just pull it right up on your phone, find out where the pet is, go find them, get directions to them and go pick them up. And so we're really hoping to make the, the experience as a pet owner, a less stressful one and just a happier, more joyful one. Tell me about a little bit how you're raising awareness socially. So what are you doing? I know that you guys are on Instagram and you're on Twitter, and I'm just looking at some of your social. Tell me a little bit about that and about what, how you're using social to help kind of raise awareness. So social is definitely a really you know, important piece of our strategy. We're lucky that you know, dogs and cats and pets in general are considered family members, and so people really care about them, and people love posting pictures of them and sharing stories about them. And so you know, the subject matter lends itself really well to social, which is great. Of course. Right. And so, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm posting pictures of my dogs all day long. People probably get tired of it. Um, but, you know, some of the things that we're doing, you know, here's just one example. So, you know, July 4th, 
Um, and people may not know this, but July 4th is sort of a dangerous time for pets. A lot of pets go missing. I think it's one in four pets go missing around July 4th. It's is it fun- because they're spooked by the sound of the fireworks? Right, exactly. Ah, wow. And, and so it's a dangerous time. Um, and it's a time that pet owners really should be on high alert. And there's things that you can do to make sure that your pet is safe. And so we wanted to drive awareness about this issue that Hey, July Fourth is a is a you know scary time as a pet owner, and we want it to be less scary and stressful for you. So um, we launched a campaign called Lost for Dogs, and what we did was again the idea was to just raise awareness about the fact that a lot of pets go missing around July Fourth, and here are some things that you can do. Whistle being one of those things that you can do, but again, other things like making sure your dog has a tag. And making sure that gates are closed so that if the, the animal does get scared by the fireworks, that it won't be able to get out of the fenced yard. You know, there's all kinds of things that you can do to keep your pet safe. And we really wanted to raise awareness. And so it was a really fun social activation where people took pictures of themselves with their pets um, with, you know, if lost, please return to. Um, and people shared those photos. We had a charitable giving component where people um, were encouraged to give money to the American Humane Society. And it was really exciting. We got a lot of media hits. We got a lot of people to participate on social and, again, share these funny pictures of of them and their dogs. But it was really all around raising awareness of this really important issue. And how many people do you have working on marketing at Whistle right now? Um, We have a small but mighty team of four. And um, it is a really great, great team. So is it hard to like pick and choose what networks you would be on or how because of bandwidth? Do you, do you run into that? And, and are you selective about where you go and how both on uh, strategy, obviously dogs and cats are loved amongst all networks and social, but when you're looking at, uh, you know, kind of strategic choices, are they made um, both on kind of what's right for the brand and bandwidth, or do you just kind of go straight for here's what's right for the brand and we're going to push and make it happen? So definitely with a small team, we have to be really thoughtful about, you know, what we do. And so, you know, part of how we make that decision is we look to see where we're seeing the most engagement and we tend to spend more time there. Obviously, you know, pets are very visual. People love sharing pictures. So Instagram is a natural place. We definitely find a lot of our users. Facebook is a, is really big for us. People, again, love posting pictures, but they also love po- posting stories. And Facebook has been just a really, really great channel for us. So we tend to focus a lot of energy there. But Instagram is definitely growing for us as well. And I think they have different, they really have different, um, you know, there's a different purpose for each of those. And so whereas Facebook Facebook is sort of the multi-tool in my mind. So it's obviously very visual and people love posting photos of their pets, but it also is a channel that allows us to talk to people about the product and talk to people about ways to use the product to make sure they're getting as much out of it as they can. Um, And so we tend to think about the type of content by what the channel makes the most sense for. And are you currently looking at and using paid media on Facebook? We do. We've done a lot of testing over the last few months. And one thing that's really interesting that we've found is that people really engage with our paid advertising on Facebook. Um, The amount of shares that we get on an ad is pretty incredible because, you know, we've been, I've been doing Facebook advertising at at a few of my previous companies and we would never see the type of engagement that we see at Whistle. Yes, because it's so valuable. The content that you have is so great because it's both around things that resonate like dogs and it's also just 
the product itself. I would imagine when people see it, they share it. Absolutely. And everybody knows somebody that has lost an animal. And so what we tend to see is that people will see an ad and they often will share it with maybe a friend that just had an experience like yours, for example, where the cat goes missing for two weeks and it was a really stressful experience. And, you know, your friend talked to you about it every day about the missing cat. And so we're finding that friends are sharing it with friends because they know that they've possibly had that experience and they want people to know that there's this solution, which is relatively inexpensive. Um, and it's a fantastic solution. Now, when you're using social as, as whistle, are you, what are you using to measure it? Are you looking at the engagement? Are you looking at the tie back to revenue since you guys do, do sell online? Are you looking at reach? What's your overarching approach in social? I'm sure it's a mix of everything, but, but where is it kind of weighted for you in the, in the equation? So that's a really interesting question, and it's definitely evolving over time. So one of the things I've learned in my career is never to be so set in terms of setting metrics. Uh, Setting metrics is important, but you also have to be constantly looking and learning because you may see something that you weren't necessarily expecting. And so for us, we definitely measure engagement. We want to see how engaged are people with what we're posting, how many times do they share it, how many times do they comment, how many times do they like it. So engagement is definitely a really key one. And what we find is that the more engagement goes up, the more sales goes up. And so those two are really, really closely connected. Other than our paid ad strategy on Facebook, we obviously, we don't do a lot of promotions on our brand Facebook page, but Mm -hmm. we see that even if even if we're posting things that are not directly related to to sales, we drive sales because of those posts. So engagement does lead to sales for us. And so we can see that connection. So that's really important. So again, I would say it's engagement. Sentiment's really important as well. We definitely are always looking to see what the sentiment is with the product. Um, that's, that's really critical for us too. I love the concept of engagement correlating to sales and, and really studying that versus looking for the direct tie. That's great. That's really awesome stuff you're doing, Heather. I love all of the, I love everything behind Whistle. I hope everyone, every pet owner goes out and gets it because it seems to me like a no brainer when I'm looking at it. I'm like, I need this for Chiquita because she, you know, you're not supposed to have outdoor cats really, but she's been an, I rescued her from a shelter and she was an outdoor cat and she always was. And so it was really hard to not, to not, uh, to keep her inside because she just, she's a wanderer. So I'm getting this today. I've got to get it. Fantastic. I love it. You've got your first customer through this uh, podcast, the first one you can directly attribute to all the social ladies, which I love. Fantastic. Very, very exciting. Awesome. So you, you talked to me a little bit about your career and how you, um, you know, really were tied to innovation and, and helping people. And so throughout your career, obviously social media has kind of come into play and changed a lot of the game. Talk to me a little bit about your own personal use of social media and um, just your perspective on it and watching it grow through the years. It's really pretty incredible. I'm definitely going to date myself by saying this, but the reality is when I started my career, Facebook didn't even exist. So I've been able to watch things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all come online and And it's just been really fascinating to see how it's changed the way we think about marketing. Marketing was always one way, and now it's very much a two-way dialogue and conversation. And that's really new, frankly, in the last 10 to 12 years. And so it's it's fantastic to see the impact that that's had. Awesome. And I think for you personally... Uh, do you find yourself, since you work in marketing and social has become such a big part of marketing, do you find when you get home personally, you want to use social more or less because you're in marketing? 
You know, I love social. I'm a social being. Um, Social is just completely tied in with everything I do from a career perspective. So I definitely find myself using social all the time. I mean, a a funny story about what we talked about earlier about um, racing at the Kona Ironman World Championships. I actually, you know, the the way that you get into that race is by being really, really fast. And I am not really, really fast. Um, (laughs) I, I have a relatively kind of unique story about how I found my way into triathlon. And so there was a competition a few years ago called Kona Inspired. And what it was, you had to put a 90 second video together and talk about how you embodied the mantra, anything is possible. And then you frankly had to go on a social media campaign to get people to vote on it. And so it was a really interesting exercise for me because it really brought together the marketing side as well as my personal passion side. And it was fun to to kind of see what worked and what didn't work in terms of trying to drive, you know, views of this video and people voting on this video. And so it was a, an interesting little little project. And I did in fact win that slot to Kona, which was which was a lot of fun. Did you freak out when you won? I feel like I would have freaked out and screamed and been so excited. It was, it was really exciting. And I didn't think I would win because you could actually see how many views other videos had. And there were just, I mean, amazing stories, absolutely amazing stories. They gave out eight slots and most of them were given to, you know, cancer survivors and these incredible stories. And my story is a little more, um, it's a little more for the everyman. Um, you know, I lost a lot of weight and that's how I won that slot. But, um, but when I found out that I won, it was, I was actually with my family. We were all on vacation and it was just, everybody was going wild. It was really exciting. But I definitely use social to get there. It's, it's interesting. I worked um, on some online content, and the online content was picked up by Huffington Post, which was then seen by a producer of Good Morning America. And Good Morning America did a spot on me. And ultimately, that really helped um, you know, with the whole campaign. That is incredible. Now, okay, last question about this, just because I need to know. So if you were not fast, and you get in for being fast, were you panicked that you would be like far behind everybody? Or did you train to get to the point where you would be at least at an acceptable pace? You know, I had actually done two Ironmans before. Um, and so I, I was already really into triathlon. So I was, I was, um, I think so you were ready. You were I, was, ready. I was ready. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Wow. Heather, you are a really fascinating social lady. So tell me where people should follow Whistle and where they should follow you if they want to connect with you. So the best place to find Whistle online is Facebook. We have a really active community and we are growing it every day. And so you can find us there at facebook.com slash whistle labs or just search for Whistle. Um, We're also on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Both of those are Whistle Labs as well. And then for, you know, me personally, Twitter is a good place to find me. And that's just at Heather Wager. Awesome. Heather, you're a fabulous social lady. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.